So today I want to talk to you about a high calling. And I want to start with a question you don't have to ask her. I will give you the answer. Who do you think is the most important person on planet Earth? Just think about it. Um, you don't have to like him or you don't have to fear him or her. I wonder what kind of answers will we get. Somebody dare to answer on planet Earth, not about Jesus on planet Earth, some physical person like you and me. Anyone dare, Pastor? Who's the most important person? <laughs> I was waiting for that one. I was waiting for that one. Somebody would say my mother-in-law. Now, my friend, it's not the Pope. It's not Trump. It's not the President of the European Union. It's no big shot. It's no movie star. Definitely not. It is you. Amen? That's a paradox. You are the most important person on planet Earth. Yet we are thousands. Which one of us? It's one of the wonderful mysteries of the, of the gospel of the kingdom of God. He knows everything about everybody and he loves everybody specially. That's because he's God. He even knows when one of your hair falls to the ground. Do you know that? There are many such contradictions in the Christian life. I just want to read you a few. The Christian believes that in Christ he has died. Yet he is more alive than before. And he fully expects to live forever. He walks on earth while seated in heaven. He goes down on his knees to get up. He's strongest when he's weakest and weakest when he's strong. He may be and often is highest when he feels the lowest. He's most sinless. Listen to this one. This is very important. He's most sinless when he is most conscious of sin. He is wisest when he knows that he, the more he knows about Christ, the more he knows how little he knows. He sometimes does most by doing nothing and goes further when standing still. In, heavenly, in, heaven, in heaviness, he manages to rejoice and keep his heart glad even in sorrow. He believes that he's safe now, nevertheless, nevertheless, he expects to be saved. He fears God, but he's not afraid of him. In God's presence, he feels overwhelmed and undone. Yet there is nowhere he would rather be than in that presence. He knows that he has been cleansed from his sin, yet he is painfully conscious that in his flesh dwells nothing good. These are but a few of many, many such contradictions in the Christian life. That's why Paul sometimes referred to the Christian life as a mystery. We don't understand these things. And it's like, who is the most important person on earth? It's you. And he gave you a calling, a very high calling. And we're going to look at that calling, and the scriptures for today comes from Philippians 3, verse 14, and also from Matthew 4, verse 18. Philippians, Philippians 3, verse 13, and Matthäus 4, verse 18. Philippians 3, verse 
13. Let's read from 13. My brothers, I do not count myself to have taken possession, but one thing I do. Forgetting the things behind and reaching forward to the things before. 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. He spoke about a high calling that he has received from Jesus Christ. In our second text, Matthew 4, 18, our Lord defines this high calling. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Some think, follow me, and I will make you millionaire. No. He may. He might. But that's not the high calling. The high calling is fishers of men. In this message this morning, some reasons why Christ's calling to be fishers of men is called a high calling. It is, first of all, because it exceeds our humanly vocations, our humanly chosen vocation. There is no higher vocation than winning people to Christ. Church, can I say again? There is no higher job to do on this planet Earth than winning people to Jesus Christ. That's why God sent His Son. For God so loved the world. That's the, the, it's almost like a one-track message. That's why Jesus came, leaving the streets of heavenly, the presence of His Father, walking the streets of dust, golden streets where He come from. With one purpose, He has come to seek and save the lost. Amen? This is why Jesus called the disciples. It was John and James mending nets. John, James, come, follow me. And the way that I read the Bible, it says immediately in some translations. I think that maybe John had a needle in his hand. He just dropped it and followed Jesus. That's the main important thing. That's why he's calling every one of you and me to become fishers of men. And we're going to reason about your arguments against it. Because some of you will say, but I'm not an evangelist and things like that. Soul winning should be more important than any vocation on planet Earth. Amen? There was a visitor, and he passed by a construction site where they were busy building a building. And uh, it was Friday, and he saw all the workers so happy. He walked to the first one. He says, why are you so happy? He says, oh, it's Friday. And tonight I will see my family first time in a week. And there was another guy, also very happy, and he said, why are you so happy? He says, oh, it's Friday tonight, I'll meet with my pals in the pub, and we're going to celebrate until tomorrow morning. And then there was a third guy, he walked to him, he said, why are you so happy, sir? He said, oh, wow, I'm happy, because I'm building this brick wall up, because this will come a building in which children or people will be saved for Jesus Christ. You see, his whole focus 
It's different. And my dear friend, if you've got the DNA of Christ, that will be, should be your focus. Somebody say amen. amen. Or amen. It is the prime function for every believer to be a fisher of men. There was a discipleship school for young, young people. And then the lecturer asked, what do you want to become? Oh, I, I'm studying for a doctor. Fine, become a doctor. But first of all, be a fisher of men. And what are you studying for? No, I want to be a, a, a lawyer. He said, fine, be a lawyer. But first of all, all, be a soul winner. Do you get the message? It is above our vocation. It's more than anything else. That is and should be the Christian life. Some say, it's not my calling. Some will stand before God with this very thing. What did you do with my great commission? I thought it was a good suggestion. No, it's a great commission. And a commission is something that I'm telling you to do, isn't it? I think so. It's an opdracht. And you cannot argue the opdracht, the commission, because the king of kings issued the commission. You can ignore the president of the European Union, or Trump, or the Pope, but you cannot ignore him. Because he's not just any Tom, Dick, and Harry. He's king of kings and lord of lords. In South Africa, statistics say that 90%, more than 90% of Christians who are 70 years old never ever led one soul to Jesus Christ. It's shocking. It's shocking. They will sing the heart servals. Do you know the heart servals? It's the broken heart waltz. Now I know it in Afrikaans. He says, "Moet ek gaan met lee hande? Moet ek so my hier ontmoet? Nie een siel gelei na Jesus. Niks te offer aan sy voet." I've translated it. Should I go with empty hands? Should I meet my Lord like this? Not one soul led to Jesus, nothing to sacrifice at his feet. That's the heart servals. And God calls some of us to leave our nets, to change our vocation, like he did with us. And Pastor Ryan and Ronald and others. And to devote all of their time into the fulfillment of the great commission of our Lord. Because remember, that's why Jesus came. Remember, he came because of the heart of God. It's for the lost. Amen. However, there are others who in their vocation are called to become fishermen. And not just others. I believe with all my heart, every Christian believer. And I'm so grateful, grateful that the senior guys, the mature guys say, Amen. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Don't be mixed up and say, But that is only for the evangelist. No, sir. No, ma'am. 
It is for over every believer. Why? It actually should be a natural thing after we became born again. Because when we become born again, we receive the DNA of God, the Spirit of God. And that Spirit says, I love the world so much that I don't want to see anybody lost. That's the Spirit of Christ. That's why He came. The miracles and the wonderful teachings are second to the reason why He came. It's to reach and see the lost getting saved. It should be not just a theological obligation. It should be a passion. When I got saved, I got radically saved. Since that day, the next day, I saw somebody and I wonder, I wonder, is he saved? And whenever there was a moment for confrontation, I would do that. Are you saved, sir? Sometimes to the embarrassment of my dear wife. Are you saved, sir? I hear of somebody dying. My first question was not my condolences and stuff. Was he saved? Was she saved? And my dear friend, that should be your passion and mine. Because it's the God, it's passion. The passion of the Holy Spirit to give us power to do just this. The work of a fisherman. Secondly, it's a high calling because it's greater than our commitment to our family. Not only did John and James leave their father, they left their families. They left their profession, the assurance. And in a sense, we have to be the same. For Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And on another occasion, he says, I say to you, there is no man that has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. There's a massive blessing on fulfilling the Great Commission, on obeying the Great Commission. There are so many excuses. A very dear friend of mine, pastor, one day we were just talking. He said, you know what, Johan, you got a nice job. I said, yeah. He says, you know, you've been in, 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 the, in the pastor's position for 14 years, so you know it's not easy. It's not for sissies to be a pastor. You've now got such a cozy job, traveling the whole world. My goodness, let me tell you, come with us. You'll see it's not so cozy at times, eh? I said to him then, and he says, I, I feel I must do what you're doing. I said, then if God told you, why don't you do it? He said, my three dogs. I don't, honestly. I said, what? He said, I, I don't know how I can, I can leave my three dogs. They're ugly little things, man. <laughs> you know that these three dogs could stand between God and the salvation of a soul. My goodness. Other one said to me, I would love to do what you are doing, but my wife doesn't want to live out of a suitcase. Now the suitcase will become between a lost soul 
and God. Other ones say, but finances, how will we do the things? Where do we get to be finances like my brother? My real brother is with the Lord now. We had a good church in Kimberley, strong church, and then suddenly we resigned and we went into this 14, 15 years ago into this ministry. And my brother heard about this, and I, when I saw him, he said to me, very concerned because he's much older, he's my older brother. He says, now, where are you going to get a salary? I think he was concerned because he felt he's being the older brother. He must look after me financially. I said to him, Peter, don't worry. I work for the richest Jew that ever lived, and he's not stingy. <laughs> Amen. Most are not called to let just everything go. That is a fact. All have been called to be fishers of men. Can I say again? Don't now feel guilty because you didn't feel that to leave everything and go and leave your mother-in-law and go. No, no. <laughs> it's not for everyone, but it's for everyone, every believer, to be a soul winner. Amen? This side's more amen than that side. I wonder what's the wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. There was a Chinese guy with cataracts. And he came, walked many miles, kilos, there in the Chinese forest of Hunan. And uh, he came to the clinic, the doctor's clinic, missionary clinic. And the doctor removed the cataracts and suddenly he could see. And he rushed home. And about three weeks later, he came back with a long rope and hanging, hanging on to this rope, about 30 blind Chinese, bringing them to the guy who could give them sight. You see, even if we cannot share the gospel in an understandable way, which every one of us in any way should be able to do, we can always bring them to someone who can show them the light. Just imagine every one of you take this very serious and next week you come here with one or two blind Chineses. You know what I mean. People who do not know Jesus Christ. Pastor, you're going to be in big trouble because the church is full already. But that's good trouble. Amen. Those are challenging things. So that's a challenge to you. Get yourself a piece of rope and bring them so that they can get saved. Amen. And they can start living a quality life amidst all this darkness around us. And the more I look at this dark picture all around the world, the more I thank God for the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And all these things are true, all these contradictions and things. Men and women changes the way they live to obey the Great Commission. You know that? They bring about changes within the family life. They bring about changes within the vocation they have to fulfill the commission that the Lord gave them. In 1732, there was a guy called Johann, Johann, Johann Leonard Dober and David Nitschmann. They were two young Moravian brethren. And they had a very great heart for the African slaves. And they wanted to go do mission work on the islands of St. Cru and St. Thomas in the Danish West Indies. And uh, they were told that they could not go there with the gospel. 
because it's not allowed. The boss of those islands or whatever is going on, they doesn't want to know anything about Christianity. It can't go. So what they do, what they did, they sold themselves into slavery. They boarded the boat with the other slaves that left for the island. And when they was when they were when they were rowing away, they shouted to the people on on the land, "May the lamb that was slain." Receive the reward of his suffering. Wow. Just gave everything because of the love of God for people. Let us read it. Great evangelist of the 60s, I think. He said once God told him to go to Africa. And he went to Africa. He didn't say which, which area. And he came there and he found that everybody knows, knew, knew the gospel. They've heard it before. And then he got upset because they were not living according to the gospel. And he complained to the Lord. He said, Lord, why did you send me here? These people know the gospel that they don't want to change. God said to him, I did not call you for their sake. No, he said, I didn't, yeah, I did not call you for their sake. I did not call you for my sake. I didn't call you for your sake, but I called them for my sake. I got it wrong. For my sake, because I love them. And that kind of spirit is the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of God. And thirdly, it is a high calling because it is greater than our own ambitions. Paul understood this responsibility. He wrote in, in Romans 8 and 9, For the whole of creation waits with eager anticipation for the revelation of the sons of God. We must know two things, that every person on planet earth has been created with a void, a vacuum in his heart. And it's only the gospel of Christ that can fill it. Some of you called yourself seekers of light, maybe. So did I into all kinds of religions, Buddhism or whatever. If there was a Buddhist temple in Brits, I would have joined that. But it is not that. It is that in every heart there's a void. The second thing that we must know is that every Christian has the capacity to fill that void in another person's life. To press in this one thing I do to forsook our own aspirations to follow Christ. And all of this, it's an effort. When we talk about reaching out, you know, it's an effort. When we talk about organized evangelism, it's an effort. It's not easy to do that. And the biggest excuse, Pastor, I haven't got time. I pray that you will get a new excuse because that's not valid. There's priority for every other thing. But for the commission of God, we find time for every other thing on planet Earth. But boy, it's almost like a prayer meeting. I haven't got time. I'm so busy. I know a real few, quite a few millionaires, 
billionaires in Malaysia, Chinese people. They've got these buildings and stuff. They're devoted Christians. They make time. Do they make time? They make time to be there, to fulfill the calling of God, to be in line with the passion of his heart. Our scripture says, my brothers, I do not count myself to have taken possession, but one thing I do, forgetting the things behind, reaching toward the forward to the things before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the eye calling of God in Christ Jesus. He forsook his own aspirations to follow Christ. All of us must abandon small ambitions. There was Francis Xavier an early Jesuit missionary to Asia. He wrote back to Europe. And he was pleading. Tell the students to give up their small ambitions. And come eastward to preach the gospel of God. My goodness. All of us must be willing to give up. Our small ambition. And get our priorities right. Because we are Christian. Because we are Christian. So that we can be in line with the passion of Christ. Pastor Ryan, it's an important message. And I pray that God will take these words and put them in the right understanding in your heart. We cannot fool around with these things and call upon the name Christian. Not when I read my Bible. It cannot be. It cannot be. There's a world out there getting lost. All around us. In our homes. In our jobs. Crying silently. Will you not come over and help me? The Macedonian cried. Oh, we became so proud, people so proud, they will never confess. But be sensitive to the heart and the spirit of God and you will pick it up. So many unsaved persons in deep need sails past us like massive ships in the night on an ocean. That massive thousand thousand tonner go past. And if you did not see it, you will not even hear it. It's like an elephant in the bush. You can't hear him. He can walk right past you at night. You will not hear him. Our eyes must be tuned according to the DNA of our God who loves the world so much. We say, I cannot do because I do not have the strength. It's too much a thing for me. Trust in him. Especially when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
then really we do not have an excuse. Because Acts 1 verse 8 says clearly, power will come upon you and you will be equipped to be my witnesses, to give my everything. I preached a sermon the other day, how does people see that we are Pentecostal? Do they see it by the way we dance and shout and shouting praises? If it's the only thing they see, then we are poor. Then we are poor. They must see the passion of Christ fulfilled in our lives. It means fruit bearing, means being the light, means being vocal about a salvation so great. Some are like submarines, almost like in the secret agency. Secretly, the guy came to the door. He said, good morning, Pastor. Pastor said to him, I haven't seen you for a long time. He said, yes, Pastor, I'm in the secret agent. We have too many secret agents in the church. Or submarine Christians. They only pop up on Christmas. They come out, check out. <laughs> and in Easter, they come up and they check out again. The pastor's still there. <laughs> it's Jesus' promise that we will receive power. I think Luke 5, it talks about the wonderful miracle of catching a lot of fish. Remember? Jesus came to them and said, Launch into the deep, cast your nets into the sea. They said, Lord, we have tarried, we've, we, we, we suckled, you know that, all night. We struggled all night. We caught nothing. He says, well, do it again. He says, at your word, we will go. At your word. Already they have seen the power of the Savior. And they did. And they caught a massive lot of fish, so much so that the net started to tear. They had to call the other boats, please come and help. Miracle. But they obeyed his word. You see what actually happened there? When Jesus said, cast your net in the deep water, he said to the fish, fish, swim. Do you see that net? Swim. That's what happened there. And the same in our evangelism. How shall we do? Go therefore and make disciples. At your word, Lord, we will do. Huh? It's not how good we are. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. But he needs an agent like you and like me. To go and make known the love of God. So that people can be saved. Never say, I cannot. Because you can. Why? Because you've got the spirit of Christ within you. And the DNA spirit of Christ says, I came with one purpose. To serve, to save, rather. Not to be served, but to save. That's why I came. That's the 
DNA of God. Can you say it over and over and over? Because we have to understand all things have passed away. Everything became new. Even my understanding of church, it became new when Jesus fulfilled my life. It's a high calling, lastly, because we preach Christ. I think this, to me, is the most important. The, 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 the ability the, to have a license to preach Jesus Christ, isn't it? To boast about His greatness and His wonderful things, His beauty. This Jesus is like the rose of Sharon. He's like a lily of the valley. He's the fairest of 10,000. This is this Jesus. His position is far above, yet in my heart. His authority over Satan. Go, Satan. Go away over nature. Fish, swim into that net. Over everything, over sickness, be healed. And people were healed. Over demons, get out of this person. Over sin, go and sin no more. I wish I had time that we could speak about that in the life of a Christian. Did you know that God gave you power over sin? Hello? God gave you power over sin. That's part of the good news. His attributes, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. His love. When he cried out on the cross, Tetelestai, I paid the price because each and every one special. He's not an acceptor of person. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will, can be saved, should be saved. If you and I fulfill our part of the Great Commission, there are various ways in that. Time does not allow us to go into all of these different ways, like handing out a pamphlet, sending a text message or something. But something be a little cruel, to be kind. Repent, otherwise you go to hell. No, that sounds too rough, eh? Ooh. Sometimes people need to hear these things. To lukewarm Christians, fire up, otherwise he will vomit you out. Get alive in Christ. Don't mess with him. He's not to be messed with. Because he's king of kings and he's lord of lords. And that's the good news. And I pray today, my dear, precious family in Christ, that this word will somewhere touch your heart. I pray, actually, that you will feel guilty if you haven't yet led a soul to Jesus. I do. But something will start eating you here. You know, what's wrong with me? And you somehow enroll on the first course for evangelists or gospel course. 
Or you just go and open your mouth. Lord, you said, I open my mouth, you will fill it. And you will. And the biggest one is your testimony. Your testimony. Nothing can argue your testimony of a loving Savior who saved you from the pits of hell. Me. And gave me life. And in thankfulness, I want to share that life with others.